podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to a very special episode of Ironcast. In this episode, we're looking back on some of our favourite moments from 2023. And what a year it's been, Ginge. I'm going to say, calendar, in a calendar year, this has been my best time as a West Ham fan. Doing the podcast with you, but also that magnificent night in Prague. I oh, know. Lifting the trophy. How has 2023 been for you? Uh <sighs> Good, because amazing, because I am now obviously a West Ham fan, obviously being an ex-player and, you know, to win the, the, the Conference League was huge for this club, obviously being out there and then obviously topping it off with doing the podcast with you, mate. So yeah, incredible time to be a, a West Ham fan. And we've had so many great guests this year. Mm. I'm not going to ask you to pick a favourite. I thought you were going to for but a second. But what I will say is, who, who, for 2024, you've got your eye on, who are we tapping up next year? Nobes has got to be on. Nobes has got to be on. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give him a little shout. Get Nobes on. Um, I'd love to have Danny Gabadon on. Obviously, my mate. Oh. A few stories from obviously coming to the club together. We could do a little special with Gabs. You know, such a in my eyes an underrated player for West Ham, and obviously he's my best mate. So, yeah, there's a lot to come and uh, a lot of names that we could we could get on. I think. Yeah, that's our New Year's resolution sorted on Ironcast. Mm. Gabs and Nobes. So much to look forward to in 2024. But right now, let's look back at 2023 with some memories of that famous night in Prague when we claimed European glory. Here's first team coach Kevin Nolan sharing his stories from that wonderful night. We left West Ham as a player in 2015, come back in 2020, and we've just experienced one of the highlights of my entire life supporting West Ham, that magnificent night in Prague. How did the celebrations compare 2012, 2023? Oh, it was wicked. Absolutely brilliant because we were together. The team was together afterwards, you know, and it was it was really good. And we went back to the hotel with all our families there, uh, friends. So we were all there. We had a bit of food, drinks, everything, you know, all the singing and all that type of stuff. And uh, and then we headed back to our hotel where it ended up being just me, nose and deck, which was quite quite a nice moment. And the trophy? Tro- tr- no, no, no. We weren't interested in the trophy at that point. <laughs> <laughs> We'd won it, hadn't we? So. <laughs> and look, it was just nice. Obviously, three three captains, you know, just sitting there sort of chewing the fat, talking about everything, remembering all the good things. I know we're talking about after yeah. the game. Yeah. What, what are your, do you remember the game? Do you, I, I know you're unbelievable at remembering stats yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Do you remember all the what the game? I remember when we, obviously they scored and everyone, it, it, it was like, I remember it was like, everyone was like, as if we'd, we'd gone one nil down yeah, or yeah. two nil down and, and it gone from us and I was like, hang on a minute. Yeah, let's you know, like, let's sort of refocus, and and and, that, and we, were, we were quite calm on the bench and everything else, and sort of try to get that across to the lads. Like you know, relax, we've we've got this, you know. And when you when you're looking for moments of, you know, genius and someone to just play that proper pass, and then obviously the one who you want on the end of it is is a, is a Jared Bowen, and and I remember as soon as he's played played the ball, and then Jared scores, someone shouted offside, and the gaffer always comes and looks at me and goes offside, and I go no way, no chance. I've gone right away, no chance, and I've gone. Oh, am I going to be wrong here? And like you know, in that little dread, and then and then I've like because in the in in the conference, it's not as like in the prem where you get the re- repeat right away. You're waiting, you're waiting, and I'm like that. So I'm thinking, 
Don't get this wrong. Don't get this wrong. Because the gaffer was off. I was yeah, a little yeah. bit concerned that you couldn't keep up with the gaffer, to be honest. <laughs> did you say, did he wait for you to say yes before he said it? Yeah, yeah. He was like, no. he was like, oh, no. no, but he's come back and he's given and he's going, it's on definitely, side, isn't it? It's on side, definitely. He and was I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm like, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Thinking, oh, gaffer, God. Gaffer, yeah. just done a sprint for like 50 yards, comes back and is offside. Imagine that. Both armies. But yeah, so like just them moments and you know, you know, and, and like it was just, it, it sort of just went back to uh, the uh, playoff final because it was like last minute yeah. scoring that goal and it's just like now see it out, you know what I mean? said and, it, Kev. I've said it on yeah, here. I think the yeah. first one we did, speaking to Gerard about it, about it, we don't do that. West Ham don't <laughs> <Yeah>. score last, <laughs> no. last minute goals and win games and, yeah. and hang on. And the extra time seemed like I was in, the, you know, obviously no, I was in the yeah, stand yeah. that night. It just seemed like it went on forever. But I remember turning to all the West Ham fans in the crowd going, I, I think I was more shocked we scored a last minute goal because yeah. I certainly never happened when I was playing as in like, <laughs> like scoring like, in such a big game and all that yeah. and just yeah just the relief and the feeling in, in the stand God knows how you guys felt down on the, on the pitch but it's the first proper game I'd been to in the stand like big game yeah. supporting West Ham and it was just just unreal unreal night yeah we've had so many amazing European nights we're about to hit our third season in a row European football not just the final the semis we've been through and yeah how have you found those European nights any, any moments stick out Brilliant. for you the night in Frankfurt was was fantastic you know just our experience of them and what they were obviously we were disappointed because we felt that we we had an opportunity that year you know and and we weren't going to let it go again last year you know because we thought we were better than Eintracht Frankfurt and we 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 let ourselves down a bit, I, I think. And I think we wanted to learn from that. And we go into every game. You know, I certainly believe that we can beat anyone on our day, whether it be in the Premier League or in, in across Europe. And we wanted to keep giving the lads the belief. And it was it was different last year because we had a lot. We brought in a lot of European players. So it sort of changed, you know, because we had a lot of British-based players uh, who'd, left the, who'd sort of left the building. And a lot of European lads who hadn't experienced Premier League football, but had, had, had done the European side and, you know, played in, in them, in them, in them games. So it felt like when we were coming to them games, that felt like it was the, that was easy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, it was trying to get them lads to get adjusted to them playing in a Premier League intensity, you know, the athleticism you've got to show to go against the Premier League. Cause I, I think like physicality and, and all that type of stuff it is, you know, up here compared to the rest of Europe and what's expected each week, week in, week out after that Thursday game. So it was a, it was a big adjustment for a lot of them lads and I think that's why you're seeing probably the best of them coming into the end of the season and then them sort of adjusting to what what was it, you know, a tough season for us in the Prem. Yeah, and, and we're hoping now that now they've adjusted, we're, we're going to be able to now keep building and get better for, for the Premier League as well as be able to, you know, establish ourselves across Europe again because... I mean, I'm certainly thinking that, you know, we, we, we want to get back to the latter stages again. We, we, we've got to be a club who gets to the latter stages and we're serious with the, the quality we have in the squad. You know, we're, obviously we've lost deck, but if we can bring the additions in, what what, what we're looking at, and uh, I feel that we can we can, we can can sort of dream and, you know, look forward to Dan and, and really believe that we can do it. Oh man, just brilliant to hear that insight from Super Kevin Nolan on that magical night in Prague. But now let's wind the clock back to the 1980s with cult hero Mark Ward. He reveals what rooming with Julian Dix was like. And let me tell you, it's not for the faint hearted. Here's Wardy. Julian Dix joined the club in 88. Yeah. Um, what was he? I imagine the two of you got on. <sighs> 
he just kicked everyone in training. So <laughs> ruthless. I mean, going over the top and everything. So and obviously I was up. Really, against, he was doing that in yeah, into his own. Yeah, his it was a proper bu bully like. So um, we were up in a, in a training session, and so I'm right side, and he was left left side. So there's always going to be problems, wasn't there? <laughs> anyway, he does me, and then I just we end up fighting. So John sends uh, Julian in. I'm on the side. He said, I'll see you in my office after training. So it's like the headmaster, wasn't he? So but outside and I'm just looking at him and he's looking at me. And there's animosity, you know what I mean? Because I couldn't have my own players, you know, trying to injure. And this is what he was like. He was like, I always thought they had a screw loose, you know what I mean? He was he was naughty. And we spoke about this. So uh, anyway, we get into the uh, John's office. He said, I've got a problem here. He said, two of my best players, someone's leg's going to be broken. And Julian went, as he would, well, it's not going to be mine. <laughs> and I went, Go just looked at him like that. I've had a good think about this. He said, from now on, you're rooming together. Oh, did he? That's, it's genius. That was, yeah, I've heard he it. Said, yeah, and he said, and you've got to be on the same side in training. That's to protect. Sensible. And yeah. in the back of my mind, I wasn't scared of him, but I was thinking, well, it's, well, you ain't going to pull out of a tackle. You no, ain't going to pull exactly, out. It's yeah, going to happen, isn't it? But James, some of the tackles, man, yeah. it was just like, you know what I mean? So Was he quite quiet? Sorry to interrupt you. Was, was he quite quiet, Dixie? Julian. After, like when he yeah, wasn't training and yeah, that? Yeah, Benny, yeah. honestly. Because he came like, in with Slav, obviously, didn't yeah, he, as coach? And Benny, I used to know him as a player, and yeah. like you say, I knew he was ferocious, to say the least. But yeah. I find it like he was quite chilled. I don't know if that came with age. He was, he was very chilled off the pitch. Yeah, very... Uh, you know, humble, humble in loads yeah. of ways. You know what I mean? He, he was like, so I ended up having to room with him. <laughs> now the first couple of, well, I always remember the first one. We didn't stay in the, the best hotels. So the two single beds there. And I always remember like the little wire, we know the remote control on. Like, so I'd get on my bed and he's on his and he just goes and snaps it off the wall. So he snaps it. So we can't use the remote control now. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> that's all right, isn't it? <laughs> I said, we've got to get up now to, t t you know, change the, turn the telly over. And he just went with the remote, <laughs> threw it, and it went right on the corner, right into my head. And my head, my head just went, <laughs> next minute we're fighting and Alvin comes in. It was just a nightmare. He burnt me with an iron. <laughs> it sounds absolute <laughs> carnage. Oh, And then... He was getting on though. He was like, we ended up being really, you know what I mean. I've done loads of events with Julian and all that, and it was when we reminisce about you know the things that we did. The, the iron thing, one that was that was a big problem for me because he's ironing his shirt. I'm in the shower, so I come out, giving it all that like that. I said, leave that, up, leave the iron up there. And as I walked past him, he's, he's got you. the iron and just gone bang right on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a, a, a V like that. The skin was on the, the skin oh, stuck on the was iron. On his, stuck on the iron. So I'm screaming, gone to the window, like, and I'm going, ah! and he's looking at me like that. So I've gone to get him then, haven't I? Then he's going like this. It hasn't come in there. I'm thinking, I'm going to get a V. Home I'm alone. home alone. And I thought, he's going to do me again. Ah, so just back off. But these are the right, things. It was that, a bit of like a, I don't want to say power struggle, but you were two big players. Do you know what I mean? Was it like, Sort of was it would that have been a part of it? Or I think was... we respected each other because Julian was a very very good player, and uh, I think when you look at his game, I played against him once, and, and he was marking me for I was at playing for Everton, he was playing for Liverpool, 
And I said to him in the tunnel, I said, I'm going to destroy you today. Because it was my derby, you know. It meant a lot to me to play in a derby. And I scored. Cotty scored and we beat Liverpool. We battered them, actually. But uh, I always say to him, it's the only time we ever played against each other and, you know, top level, right? And uh, I said, I'd love to play against you every week. I said, <laughs> and he, he says, that was a one-off. That was my debut. I was nervous. But he had a good game, actually. He nearly scored a, a screamer in the top corner, but... Yeah, we, we ended up having to respect each other. And John's, like you said, is genius, really. Yeah. Because I think that without rooming together and getting to know each other, and it's iron out, iron out <laughs> all the things that we were, you know, we end up being really good mates. Right, if we're going to talk about West Ham United in the 1990s, we can only really talk about one player, you've guessed it, the Italian maestro, Paolo Di Canio. He joined us on the pod and talked us through that goal against Wimbledon. You know the one, here he is. A few weeks after that Bradford game, the 5-4, you score the goal of the decade against Wimbledon. Bowen, stopped by Earl. Michael Hughes can't play the first time, nor the second time. Bent wide nicely by Mark Vivian Foet. Sinclair's cross over Cunningham. Di Canio! I do not believe that. That is sensational. Even by his standards. Oh, take a bow, son. Take a bow. You are not going to see a better goal than this. Great ball from Foy. Even better ball from Sinclair. But that is just sensational. Outside of the right foot, he's off the ground with he, both feet when he makes contact. Look at him, up he goes. Oh, that is quite sensational. What a magnificent ball. A moment of striking perfection from Paolo Di Canio. Incredible goal. West Ham fans still talk about it. They'll never forget it. Lucky, lucky. When that ball was cut, I just, we were, so, me and Ginger were talking and saying, like, how did you know how to do that? Because no one has ever scored a goal like that before or since. What Could you see it in your head? Have you done that before in training? Yeah, we used to practice um, with Joe Cole, Trevor Sinclair. Good delivery. It's, I scored because yeah. he, 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 he's a good, he really, a very good pass. That's what Trevor says as well. It's all, all, <laughs> always, all, all, always all when Trev. he sent me a message, so, you yeah. scored this goal because, because of yeah. course, if you don't deliver the ball, I can't <laughs> score. But anyway, um, we used to practice uh, two, three days per, per week, uh, maybe in five, six. Uh, okay, 10 minutes, 15 minutes mm. at the end. I, I try who scored the best, the best and the goal. spectacular goal, maybe try to flick the ball from mm. behind, something like that, strange. I used to practice this bicycle, you know, dancing ballet, you know, in the hair. Yeah. I, I was that, uh, I have a good timing, a good style, a good impact on the ball, but normally from yeah, vertical, from, uh, not from diagonal delivery. Uh, it's obvious that um, uh, this is remain to your brain, in my opinion, and maybe you can use once, in 10 years. <laughs> but I remember there was Kennedy. Kennedy was the Wimbledon uh, right back yeah. uh, skipper, if I'm mm. wrong. He was in front of me. The delivery was from the other side, from uh, from uh, Sinclair to the far post uh, where I was. I had one, two, three seconds. One, two. I saw Kennedy that was unsure if jump or maybe turn his body, try to challenge me because normally with this bowler you can cushion the ball yeah. and try to go 1v1, you know, you have time and space to try to beat him and try to shoot on the goal. Um, or more easy, 
in this position, you know, a striker or maybe attacking footballer use his uh, uh, nearly foot from when the ball uh, come in the ground to cover with the other leg, even mm. if it's you know, your your proper foot, the left foot. Because if you have a bad impact on the ball, the ball can go in the box. Mm. Maybe your teammates can take advantage on it. I don't know. I like uh, <laughs> crazy things. Maybe something uh, something remain in my brain. In an instant, I decide to jump, uh, you know, in the hair and then have uh, this movement, uh, which I call bicycle movement, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think, uh, I have to tell you, I don't want to sound arrogant, uh, but every time I I'm watching this goal, but in Italy they show every two, three weeks uh, from uh, English uh, um, uh, highlights uh, or Sky Sport UK, they send down to Italy uh, the, 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 the best goals uh, in the uh, Premier League era, 10, maybe 10, 20, they always they show this goal. I think, uh, okay, forget it, this is Di Canio. <laughs> oh, this is a <laughs> goal. <laughs> this is difficult. It's difficult, you know, because... I, I think, you know, all as players, you, you try stuff in training, and maybe overhead kicks or something, but to do it in a game, a Premier League game, like there's only probably only Paolo and, and you can name five who would try it in a game and to do, I remember being a kid watching it and thinking that is unreal why you've done that. And like to think, we were talking before, before we started the podcast about players like you, that real, real talented players, the, the decision-making in, in your guy's head is instant, eh? Just don't even think about it, natural. Yeah, I, I agree. You can see, um, I don't know, maybe... You, I don't know if extinct uh, is difficult to explain, but probably when you have something inside, uh, you can elaborate mm. in in a so short instant that is not for everyone. Uh, only in this occasion, because I was an incredible footballer. But doing it, uh, you must have uh, something different inside mm. because you take also a risk. Because if you go in there with a side part of your right foot. Uh, normally you can have a bad touch on the ball it can remain there maybe you can go uh, out from the end line in, in the parking road 10 yards 20 yeah, yeah. yards you know in a parking room uh, road uh, but uh, if you want to do something special maybe you you should have something special even for an instant mm. inside you all right, West Ham fans, one way you can support Ironcast and help us rocket up the charts and beat off the competition from other official football clubs' podcasts like Chelsea and like Spurs is to get a five-star rating or review from you. Support me and Ginger on the podcast, chuck us a five-star rating review and help us rocket up the charts where West Ham belong, at the top of the table. Back on with the show. Right, Ginger's been dusting off his contact book throughout the year to bring in some of his old teammates, and one of those was former winger Matt Jarvis. He joined us to recount signing for the club and playing under Big Sam. When he signed you, I, I thought he must have looked at your stats and gone, yeah. Matt will get the most yeah. crosses in. Did, and did he do something like that with you? Well, I if <laughs> I'm glad you teed that up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd score, uh, I'd put in the most crosses in Europe and most successful crosses in Europe the season I was at Wolves and the first season at West Ham. Wow. So that is where... The perfect big Sam the And yeah. when I signed, the first time I met Sam actually was when I come to the training ground after I'd signed and he was in the port cabin with a meeting and like um, 
Tim's come in and goes, uh, said, called Sam and said, oh, Matt C's just signed. And I, I went to the port cabin bit and he's opened the door. He's doing a mini. He opened the door and he had, he had to duck <laughs> to get out. And he and I was like, oh my God. I'd never met him before. Like, like he's massive. Yeah. And then he was like, is it done? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's done. Like, Good. You shake your hand. He is went straight back done? in. Is it done? And that was it. Good. Yeah, it's just, it, just amazing. That, that how, did whole... you, how did you find... I known you a long time but never really asked you how, how did you find it playing for Sam though because there's no doubt about it we probably did go a little bit longer if you like than most teams sometimes but you obviously tricky wanted to get the ball down beat players and cross it did you find it hard at all or did you think you was getting enough of the ball or uh, seeing enough of the ball it's difficult isn't it because yeah. games are very very tricky because sometimes as you, you know it, it stays more on the right it stays more on the left it, you know it, it's it's hard as a wide player you only get the ball when other people give you it so yeah. it's, it's it's quite hard although you say you go and get the ball it's very hard because if you go and get the ball then you're not out in your position when a team needs you to be out there so it is tricky but you ha- I have to you have to adapt and he was very I learned a lot in the sense that where I had to be on the pitch with him, um, you know, you're saying about goal kicks and set plays. Mm. I had to adapt to when the ball went up, a goal kick to Andy or Coley. He was going in behind. I had to pin the fullback yeah. or the centre half behind. And I wasn't naturally, that wasn't my game, but I had to adapt to do that because I was going to get hammered if I wasn't <laughs> there. But also like that was where the ball was going to drop. And Kev used to be brilliant at it because Andy used to flick it on yeah, it, and yeah. Kev would just hold right, it up yeah. and then you can come on to the front. And so that there's certain areas that you have to, you have to, you know, progress and you have to observe and you have to get better at. But as far as he wanted the ball to go wide and put crosses in. So it, it was a bit of give yeah. and take, I suppose. Mm. Sam had, a, it was a lot of criticism from West Ham fans. And of course, big Sam cup in his ear to the fans and that. And, Around the style of play, that was the criticism and that it was, you know, anti-football, etc. I wondered, how did you, did you feel some of that criticism was justified as players? A lot of years have passed now. Did you feel at the time, did you think, oh, I wish we were playing a different way? Or I mean, I think every team would love to be Barcelona and play tiki-taka football, yeah. but it's not the case. You can't. Like, we had a great squad of players that for instance you know you go from the like it was Yussi in goal mm. majority of the time and then it was Adrian um but great keepers then you play it out and you had Ginger and Reedy at the back big physical strong defenders that could zing a ball yeah you then had your fullbacks that would get forward you had your wide players that want to put crossing and you had Andy up top or Coley, big target man with Kev just floating in and about. You know, that. why would you not go that sort of style? It worked for the yeah. team, but I, obviously you'd want to be playing, nipping it around a corner, coming inside, doing all these I things. I think with but, Sam, like obviously a lot of times passing a bit older, I think he, he would generally do, he would do anything it takes to win a game of football. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't bothered about if we had seven, like you see Brighton now, seven, 800 passes. He, no. he wasn't bothered on that. And, and we weren't as players. You... He was mad stat, like he was unreal with his stats. He knew everything stat wise, so he would just do anything it took to win again to get three points. That's all he cared about, yeah. and that's all he cared yeah. about. He didn't care. He not spoke to him since, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't have been caring that the fans weren't liking it. He was concentrating yeah. on getting three points, and whatever it took to get three points, he would. He would do it. Yeah. Whether it, it, we played against a team that he thought we maybe we might have to pass a little bit more because he wasn't anti it. No, he just thought our best chance of winning a game against so and so whoever we're playing is doing this type of football. Yeah. 
And, and, and you can't knock him for that. No. Well, also, with regard to his plan, you could see what it was. He signed you, the best crosser yeah. at the, yeah. the time, and big Andy Carroll. He <laughs> said, honestly, he said Hello. to me, he oh, said, there's, there's some days in training I'd look over to Java and I'd, I'd feel sorry for him, I think. Every time Java got up, Andy, with yeah. you with hang your crosses. It. Hang, hang it. it. Java <laughs> used to like to whip it. Yeah. Like, you know, the David Beckham, like, bit of bend on the cross, like across the six yard line. Andy just used to like to hit drill to the back stick so he could come oh, on just to hang it up. every time. Yeah. Jarvo, Jarvo, <laughs> just cross the ball. Don't shot back, <laughs> yeah. cross the ball. Hang this is up. Andy, this ain't yeah. even Sam. <laughs> well, Dean Ashton was another of Ginger's former teammates to share his story on Ironcast this season. He revealed all on the agonising decision to retire from football at the age of 26 due to an ankle injury. Here's our former number nine, Dino. I definitely had a period where I thought, oh, it feels better. Like it genuinely feels like I could be getting back. And then I I did get back and was out and and had run on the grass and done everything I should do, ready to leading up to uh to try and train. Maybe not a hundred percent, but I thought I've I've done enough running to want to join in with the with the t- and it's like a bonus as well. It's like yeah. to be able to go out with the players and and start a training session and then we just normally have a jog around the pitch on the um, before we then actually start the proper warm up where the lads will have a chat and just even walk running round. I could hear this click, oh, clicking boy. noise, and I know Kieran Dyer was like, "Is that?" I remember it. Is that your know. new boots? I was like, "No, yeah. it's my ankle." So I remember that conversation about yeah. like we thought you had new put your boots on, new <laughs> yeah. boots, and they were rubbing, and it it was Dino's ankle. Yeah, in, the, so in that just, session, it was just yeah. clicking, and then I and then I just. I then couldn't start even start the warm up, and then that was when, that was when I knew that this was the and I got quite upset. But Scott Parker, <laughs> Scott Parker came over and went, Dino, not here, not here, come on. I, should, I remember. <laughs> what, why does it Scott Parker say not here? It doesn't. I, I think, I think he's he was trying to protect me. Yeah, Dino, yeah. He was trying to protect me. Just and I don't know if the, if if the session was being filmed or or what, yeah. but I think um, yeah, he just sort of. But yeah, at that point, you just know that it's not probably going to be. Do you remember the right. afternoon after that? The, the days after that? Did you know, did you did you think that you knew that was it? Well, I, I think the the days after that is I've, I know I've got to have another operation mm. straight away. If it, you know if I'm going to carry on, it's going to be another operation, back to square one, back to that the starting point again. Which is just once you know it's it's going to yeah. happen again, that is the dread of of the rehab. So. Yeah, it was with the, with the retirement side of it. In the end, it was such a relief to retire. I can't I tell can you. Imagine that, yeah. because yeah. when you're 25 years old and you can't get up in the morning and just walk downstairs, it takes you 20 minutes to get from your bed downstairs because you got to let the ankle kind of loosen to a point where you can walk properly down the stairs, and you can't go to the shops with your family you have to sit down after 10 minutes and let them carry on and then they come back to you and then you can do another 10 minutes and you think i'm 25 years old and i can't do the simple things as your kids are starting to grow up how am i going to then go and in the garden and play rest of your life what am i going to do for the rest of my life i can't do these small things became a relief to think finally i don't have to have another did you have, make the decision Dino? And, did you did you call it a day or were you advised or no i'd have you... i'd have i'd have you know i'd have tried to go through it again and yeah. had the operation again but a surgeon in in holland was like if you want a reasonable life going forward for the rest of your life to to be able to walk properly and 
and have some time with your kids. He said, now is probably the time you have to make that to make that decision. And that was probably the best thing that someone gave you that real reality check of what was going to happen if you thought you could carry on. Yeah. It's a mad to say. I was thinking earlier, there's not many players of your generation who went through something like that. I can't think of many players who were as no. big a name as you that had to retire young. You're the only one I can really think of. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is, I'm sure there is yeah. a few that that had that potential um, and had it sort of snatched away. But it was it was it was obviously very difficult. I'm just very very unfortunate that it happened to be me and at that time. But then again, I've got to look at how fortunate I was that I actually got to I actually got to do it and yeah. scored an FA Cup final exactly and got to experience the things I did because well, I started young. Did you struggle after it, Dino? I had a bit of a personal question. How was it? After that, you know, the next year, year and a half, two years, oh, it, was it mind-numbingly difficult? Yeah, I can imagine. Just where do you start? I mean, where do I start in terms of how hard it is? It's, it's sort of, I mean, you know how hard it is anyway, the sacrifice you have to make to be a player. But again, what maybe people forget is it's our dream. Like this is, it's not mm. a job. It's, this is just, how is this our life that we get to just have our dream to play in front of this amount of people every week with the support that you get? the accolades that come with it, the lifestyle, it's everything you dream about. And when you just get there and then it's taken away, Snatched. it's really, really difficult to difficult to handle. And I think because of the injury side of it and, and the pain I was in at the time, that was, that was the relief. But I think there's lots of things that maybe people don't maybe realize is when you, when you retire is I felt really guilty I felt really guilty for other people. So I felt really guilty for my family that I wasn't going to be able to continue and maybe give them the life that I thought I was going to mm -hmm. do. I felt really guilty for my grandparents who came every weekend or every away game. That was their that was their weekend that they would come and watch me. Watch and I couldn't give them that anymore. That was that was finished for them. And and things like when you financially obviously doing well, you look after your family. So you might retire your parents you might buy a property for someone within your family and all of a sudden you're having to change those things i think people don't maybe and, and you earn great money so you, you know you, you have that of course but i felt really i just felt really guilty for all these people wow even though it was me who was having to go through it ultimately i just felt i felt quite guilty i felt quite guilty for the supporters for the for the club that had paid big money for me and I couldn't repay that for the supporters that wanted to see me and I couldn't then fulfill fulfill that so I had quite a bit of guilt and, and then you have the bitterness of and I think it's normal absolutely yeah. normal to be bitter why is it me why mm -hmm. why has that player got to have a a full um career why why is it me that's missing out and I think they're all normal feelings to have but they're feelings you have to you have to deal with and they only only over time do you kind of get over that? But I'm really, really good at keeping a check with reality in that, you know, football is a fantasy. It's not real. It's just not real. The whole <laughs> lifestyle is just obscenely great. And it's just not real. Real life is with your family, the 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 things that you can enjoy at home, um, holidays. Though that That's the actual reality. Football is just a fantasy. And I've tried to always mm. keep the two separate.
Now, we can't end this without looking back on one of my favourite episodes from the first series of Ironcast with current first-teamer Angelo Ogbonna. What a man. What a unique laugh he has that I did not see coming. Anyway, he shared his memories on that final day at the bowling ground. Take it away, Ange. Your name is forever etched in West Ham history because you play the last game at Upton Park. I just wanted to ask you, like, what was it like before the game? What was the emotion Emotion. you felt? I think, I think, even even if uh, I wanted to dream something like that, I couldn't, because the atmosphere is we we the game being delayed, and then all the fans were carrying the bus to to. Oh, it was mental, wasn't it? Mental, amazing, amazing, amazing. I remember, I remember I had uh, had uh, some friends over. And they say, oh, I want to come to the stadium because I know the stadium uh, in England is more secure than Italy. So everything is more quiet when you go to, to the stadium. <laughs> to the stadium, it's like you go to theatre. I said, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> are you it sure? was said, mayhem. You, you don't know with some fans. I said, no, no, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. So they were uh, um, driving in. And they saw all the all the noise, all the things. And one on one of my friends, please, please, please. They were begging my missus to to walk with them. I said, <laughs> What are you doing? And my missus said, What are you doing? No, it's not safe. No, it's unbelievable. I want to join them. <laughs> and so after the game, after the game, we won the game. They came to me and said, Okay, we didn't see your your, your goal. We didn't care. But what I care before the game, when everyone was supporting the, the 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 team, this is our home. You know, you can't come here and win. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, but it's something like uh, really oh, stay with me. I, I think I remember being on the bus. You remember being on the bus going in? And oh, it, it yeah. was just mental. mental. And then obviously, like Angelo says, the game got put back. I think it didn't, didn't kick off till about half eight or something. Yeah, that yeah, night. yeah. I remember they ran out of beer. I'd, I'd, no, that <laughs> yeah. shocks you remember that. <laughs> um, don't remember nothing about the game, but I remember they ran out of beer before the game. Um, I think in a way, because it was so mental, I don't think we really, I didn't anyway, really think of the magnitude of it. I, I knew, yeah. we obviously knew it was a massive night. It was the last game there, but I think it was that mad. I, I had never seen it. I'd been here before you and played in big games and that, but I had never seen anything like that. What, would, no. what was said before the game, before you line up in the tunnel to come out? Do you remember the final words? Was there? Did Slav say anything? Did Nob say anything? Is it a blur? No, it's no. All a, it's just no, excitement no. by then. Yeah, excited, like, you want to get out there. Excited. excited. Yeah. But even uh, during the game, we were like, uh, we had the feeling like... You could tell, couldn't you? I feel like, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you said that. I feel like during, I was on the bench, but I feel like you could tell we were going to win the game. Yeah, It was maybe. just inevitable wasn't it yeah, that, that yeah, something yeah. was going to happen we were gonna, and obviously Winston pops up and, and gets the winner but that night there it, it was just something in the air that you could tell it was going to it was going to end oh up. amazing amazing yeah. best atmosphere you've ever played in I think? think so yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. gotta be but yeah, yeah gotta be but now we play in London Stadium okay it's our home okay yeah we we like uh, we did something to let everyone like come together you know but bowling ground my 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I love, I love no, it. No, just, I don't want to, but the feeling was. I, I think that last game, say when I'm older. Last game. Man, for, like with my kids yeah. or my grandkids. I think if they asked me about a lasting memory of West Ham when I was a player, yeah, I think for good, for two reasons, obviously emotional, obviously because we, it was, you know, to see what it meant to people and see the fans crying yeah. and the old boys, you know, all, all at the stadium. And I think it'd probably be the game that I'll talk about. Say my grandson asked me in years to come, what's the one game you remember? It will be that last game. Yeah. For the yeah, result. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, just seeing people in the, you know, full grown men in tears oh. and, and ripping seats out and that, it, it was just, it'd probably be my lasting memory when I, when I'm a lot older. All right, well, what a year it's been for Ironcast. Brilliant guests, brilliant stories. Remember, we've got loads of other super episodes which you can go back and listen to. Don't forget, there's Dave Martin, Bobby Zamora, Tony Gale, Anton Ferdinand, Kevin Keane, and many more. I genuinely can't wait for 2024. From myself, Ginger, and everyone at West Ham United, we would like to wish you all a happy and healthy new year. And until next time, come on, you Irons. Podcast Network.